Welcome to the North Sound Church Podcast. For more information about North Sound Church, please visit our website at northsoundchurch.com. Good morning. It's great to be with you here, and it's a privilege of mine to bring this message to you this morning, and it's going to be a kind of a Thanksgiving message as by this time next week, we will all have experienced a, a Thanksgiving and a Remarkable one at that. There will be more Zoom calls this Thanksgiving, maybe less places set at the table, maybe not as many shoes at the front door, but nonetheless, we have much to be thankful for. But thinking back with me, what are some fond memories that you have of Thanksgiving? Just take a moment and pause and reflect and see if you can take a moment and recall some of those Memories, it might be the turkey coming from the, from the oven or the long table that we set and have invited friends to, or the noise of football games in the background and the food. Statistics say that there's going to be 46 million turkeys that are going to be sold and eaten this uh, Thanksgiving, that's about as many as the population, the human population of Spain. Americans on Thursday will consume between 2,500 and 4,500 calories. That's the equivalent of eating uh, between four to eight Big Macs, if you could imagine. But do you know what food on that table produces the most calories Uh, that we will eat. Well, it's our beloved pecan pie. And I can't wait for this thing to come out of the oven in all its glorious grandeur. And whatever you choose to have for your Thanksgiving, I know it's going to be special. You know, it might be Americans' least favorite dish, but We're still going to eat about 80 million pounds of cranberries, including 5 million gallons of that jellied cranberry sauce. Now, I don't know why it's even on the plate, because it gets mixed in with that uh, mashed potatoes, and then they're red mashed potatoes. But whatever. How about that for abounding in Thanksgiving? One of my earliest memories of Thanksgiving was growing up in a little town called Barhead, Alberta. I remember the choir loft in in a very small town and and a few people up there as we prepared as my mom led the choir. And I remember this gentleman sitting in the top right and the only thing I can remember, I must have been four or five years old, was that he snuck me a candy out of his top pocket. It was at that church on a Sunday evening, I believe, from what I can remember, that I was acting out in the front row, and Dad pointed at me, and to my horror, called me out as I had to stand up and sent down the aisle to the parsonage across the street, and it was that night, five years old, where I gave my life to Christ because it was going to either be the belt across my backside or pleading in mercy and compassion, so I pleaded for mercy rather than justice. But in that little church, we had what was called a cornucopia, which was that horn-shaped basket that was placed up front, and then the farmers from that town and 
others would bring their donated first fruits. And I remember those those cans and the, the ears of corn and the other produce would, would come down the stage and line those uh, the aisleway. It was a Thanksgiving table, like what you will have, where we would gather and dad would lead out in that question, what are you thankful for? So what are you thankful for? And why is it important to give thanks? The Bible talks a whole bunch about thanksgiving. I think the original thanksgiving is actually found in Leviticus chapter 7, verse 12. They actually had a thank offering or a thanksgiving offering. And you can read it about it. It seems that they actually had a, a bread basket that they would bring. And this is what it says. If they offered a fellowship offering as an expression of thankfulness, then along with a thank offering, they are to offer thick loaves made without yeast, something like this. They would bring in thin loaves made without yeast, which is something like this. And then they would have thick loaves of the finest flour, well kneaded and mixed with oil in it, something like this. So could you imagine that it was a, a free will offering? It wasn't a sin offering, but it was out of gratitude that people would bring the bread to the temple or the tabernacle and say thanks. Along with their fellowship offerings or thanksgiving, they are to present an, another offering with thick loaves of bread made with yeast. So four different loaves. You had, you had a tortilla that you brought. You had a piece of naan. And, and then this, this thick, heavier, denser loaf. And then a nice French loaf. I don't know what you're going to have, but at your Thanksgiving table, I'm sure you're going to have rolls. And I wonder, though, if... If it wasn't like when Jesus, at that Last Supper, says he, he took that loaf, and when he had broke it, he gave thanks. He said, this is my body. At that Last Supper, that was almost like a thank offering that Jesus was given, giving thanks to his Father. Now, we don't take offerings of bread at North Sound Church, but we do provide an opportunity for you to bring a thank offering every time you come in your adoration and your worship. If you want to give something tangible, we do have a benevolence offering, and from that benevolence offering, we give to the food banks in the area multiple times during the year. In fact, another way to give thanks is just like what we did with the youth last night when we went and helped out the Nourishing Network and bagged over 400 bags of food, prayed over them because they're going to the students who have not stable homes and they are in need of food. Now the Hebrew word for thanksgiving comes from the root word yada, which means to praise. Jewish people don't have a temple to bring their offerings to, but they still bring a thank offering, and it is known as a hegemon. It's derived from Psalm chapter 107. Specifically, this hegemon, or thank offering, is given by someone who has survived a hazardous situation. 
specifically someone who has either crossed the desert, someone who has recovered from a serious illness, someone who has been released from captivity, and someone who has crossed a sea. And someone who has experienced such a thing will gather in that gathering, will be the one to give the Hagamal or the thank offering. And, and this is how Psalm 107 starts. It says, Oh, give thanks to the Lord, for He is good. For His mercy endures forever. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so, whom He has redeemed from the hand of the enemy and gathered out of the lands from the east and from the west, from the north and from the south. And as you read through this psalm, you will read the part about the one who crosses the desert. You'll read about the one who is released from captivity. You'll read about the one who has recovered from a serious illness and the one who has crossed the sea. It's a wonderful psalm and one maybe that you should read around your Thanksgiving table. Now here's the passage, the part in Psalm 107 that talks about the ones who passed through the sea. It's found in verse 23 and it says, Those who go down to the sea, to the ships, who do business on great waters, they see the work of the Lord and His wonders in the deep, where He commands and raises the stormy wind, which lifts up the waves of the sea. They mount up to the heavens, they go down again to the depths, their souls melt because of trouble. They reel to and fro and stagger like drunken man. And are at their wits ends, then they cry out to the Lord in their trouble, and He brings them out of the disaster. He calms the storms so that its waves are still. Then they are glad because they are quiet. So he guides them towards their desired haven. Oh, that men would give thanks to the Lord for his goodness, for his wonderful works to the children of man. In September 1620, there was a band of 102 men and women and children who were seeking religious freedom from England, and they sailed to the new world called America. Sixty-five days later, they arrived at Cape Cod, but not before four of them perished. After another month of searching for a suitable place to winter their ship, they settled at Plymouth, and by the time spring had come, half of them had died due to sickness and deprivation. In the fall of that year, after a successful harvest, the remaining pilgrims celebrated a three-day feast as an expression of praise and thanksgiving to God for His faithfulness and grace to them. The celebration is the foundation of what we will all celebrate on Thursday. It's our thanksgiving. William Bradford, who was a separatist pastor, who became the second governor of Plymouth. He was one of those passengers, and he kept a journal that recounts the founding of the Plymouth Plantation. And in one passage he writes, May not and ought not the children of these fathers rightly say, Our fathers were Englishmen, which came over this great ocean and were ready to perish in this wilderness, but they cried unto the Lord. And he heard their voice and looked on their adversity. Let them therefore praise the Lord 
because He is good and His mercy endures forever. Yes, let them which have been redeemed by the Lord show how He has delivered them from the hand of the oppressor when they wandered in the desert, wilderness out of the way. When they found no city to dwell in, both hungry and thirsty, their soul was overwhelmed in them. Let them confess before the Lord His loving kindness and His wonderful works to the sons of man. Bradford quoted directly from Psalm 107, the same blessing of thanksgiving that Jewish people for, for thousands of years had recited. So on the shore of, of Plymouth, as they read through this psalm, they gave utterance of thanksgiving. Now, why is giving thanks so important? I wish we were all sitting together at your table and enjoying your pecan or pumpkin pie. I know that's what Pastor Allen would enjoy. And I wish we could hear from each one of us uh, together as we pondered why we are thankful. And perhaps you can ask that question around your table at Thanksgiving on Thursday. Now the Apostle Paul knew how powerful Thanksgiving is and and encourage those in one church to abound in thanksgiving. He says in Colossians 2, verses 6 to 7, he says, Therefore, as you have received Christ Jesus the Lord, so walk in Him, rooted and built up in Him, and established in the faith, just as you were taught, abounding in thanksgiving. Abound means to exist in large numbers or to proliferate. I think as we talk about Thanksgiving in these next moments that Thanksgiving and gratitude affects us in three ways. It affects us inwardly, it affects us outwardly, and it affects us upward. First, let's consider what gratitude and giving thanks does on the inside. There was an article that came from Berkeley from the Greater Good Science Center, and they wrote this. They said, we've studied more than 1,000 people from ages 8 to 80 and found that people who practice gratitude consistently report a host of benefits, and here they are. Physically, they have a stronger immune system, less bothered by aches and pains. They have lower blood pressure. They exercise more and take better care of their health. They sleep longer and feel more refreshed when walking, all because of being grateful. Psychological. Here are the reasons or the, the impact. They have higher level of positive hormone or emotions. They're more alert, alive, and awake. They have more joy and pleasure and more optimism and happiness. And then social impact. They're more helpful. They're more generous. They're more compassionate, more forgiving. More outgoing, they feel less lonely and isolated. This article touches on the measurable impact, both inward and outward, that being grateful and being thankful has. But what if life isn't good? What if there are circumstances that make giving of thanks nearly impossible? I get it. There are seasons when life is absolutely hard. There's painful experiences that you've had. There's loss of jobs in this COVID season or a loss of a loved one. Things that happen out of our control, but 
our attitude and response in the midst of those circumstances, that's what God is looking for. Paul also writes in 1 Corinthians or 1 Thessalonians 5.18, he says, In everything give thanks, because the giving of thanks is what's important. This is the will of God for you in Christ Jesus. Oh, we say, come on. What does Paul know, right? He didn't experience COVID-19 shut in for all of these months. He didn't experience an election like we've just gone through or, or gone through these four years like we've had to go through. Have you been into downtown Seattle recently? you got to be kidding me. My neighbors, he didn't have neighbors like I have. They're wretched. Paul didn't suffer like me. He doesn't understand and fill in your complaint. Yeah? Let me read to you what he wrote in 2 Corinthians chapter 11. He says, five times I received from the Jews 39 lashes. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was pelted with stones. Uh, three times I was shipwrecked. I spent a day and a night in the open seas. I've been constantly on the move. I've been in danger from rivers, in danger from bandits, in danger from my fellow Jews, and in danger from the Gentiles, in danger of the city, in danger in the country, in danger at sea, in danger in Jerusalem. I've labored, I've toiled, I've often gone without sleep. I've known hunger, and I've been thirsty. And I've gone without food. I've been cold, I've been naked. Besides everything else, I face the daily pressure and concern for all the churches. Who is weak and I don't know weakness? Who is led into sin and I don't have my own temptations and inwardly burn? And then he says this, If I must boast, I'm going to boast in my weakness. And in the next chapter he writes regarding some other struggles that he could have complained about, he says, but Jesus said this about my circumstances. My grace is sufficient for you. For my power is going to be made known in your weakness. Therefore, I'm going to boast all the more gladly about my weakness so that Christ's power may rest on me. Maybe Paul did understand a thing or two of going through some difficult times. And so when he says, in everything give thanks, for this is God's will for you, he knew what he was talking about. Not the circumstances, but our attitudes in the midst of it all. Last year while I was in Uganda sharing the entrepreneurial teaching that we do, an elderly man asked if he could come up. He was the oldest student that we've ever had. And when he shared his age, he's gone way above the age that is expected to live in that part of the world. And as he came forward, he began to share the circumstances that he experienced in life. And as we listened, we were amazed. As his tragic story unfolded, he described how in previous regimes he had been beaten, put into prison, lashes on his back, and he had the scars to prove it. But at every point in that story, he would pause and say, but God is so kind. 
And then he would talk about another circumstance of being thrown into jail. And he would say again, but God is so kind. And we were astounded that this man chose to endure through his circumstances with a heart of gratitude. He understood the power of gratitude and that in difficult circumstances, he could have chosen to be bitter. He could have chosen to be angry. He could have been chosen to be part of the mob and be hateful. But instead, he allowed a heart of gratitude to penetrate him. And he is a, a leader in his community, leading people out of poverty. Thanksgiving and gratitude impacts us on the inside. Secondly, gratitude impacts us on the outside. This past week, I was going to Safeway to pick up a few things, and wouldn't you know it, there was one of those people that were waiting for you when you come in. And, and more often than not, we try and dodge and find a way out. We don't want to look them in the eye because we know what they're going to ask. They're going to say, can you spare some change? Well, guess what? I don't carry change, and many of you don't carry change, so we have an uh, a already made excuse. Sorry, buddy, I just don't have any money, but he didn't say that. He said, can you help me get something to eat? So in just a few minutes, as I heard his story unfold, and he explained to me how how he's doing construction and he just didn't get paid that day, I thought, you know, absolutely. Let's go get something to eat. And he pointed to the deli there that's near the front and said, you mind if I get this? And I said, sure, you go ahead and order it and I'll go get the stuff I need to get and then I'll meet you right here. Well, I go to the back of the store and pick up some things. There's an older couple and they stopped me and they said, we saw what you did. Thank you. Thank you for meeting that person's need. And it wasn't much. It was just, it was just a few bucks. But when I went back and I met that guy and he gave me his warm food that he was going to enjoy, the gratitude towards me was palpable. It was tangible as he said, thank you, thank you, thank you. He abounded with thanksgiving and a moment of meeting a need and with gratitude, we became friends. Gratitude is extremely attractive. But you know, not everyone relays their gratitude, even those people who have experienced incredible blessing have sometimes a hard time saying thank you, and sometimes we've been felt guilty of that. And you remember the story, it's found in Luke 17. On the way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. And as he was going to a village, ten men who had leprosy met him, and they stood at a distance, and they called out with a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. Leprosy, remember. This was Luke writing this in Luke chapter 17. He was a doctor. He knew what he was talking about, and leprosy was one of those conditions that wouldn't allow you to mingle with the rest of the population. In Bible times, those who suffered with, with these kind of skin diseases were treated as outcasts. They couldn't come into the market. There were no cures for these diseases, which gradually left the person disfigured through loss of fingers or toes or eventually limbs. And leprosy sufferers 
had to leave their homes and live together outside of the community in a camp. They would have to scavenge for food. They were forbidden to come into contact with anyone who didn't have this disease, and they say they had to ring a bell so that you could hear them coming and shout, unclean! People would run away if anyone approached them. And if anyone had a skin disease for which miraculously they were cured, unlikely in the case of leprosy, Jewish law stated they could not re-enter into society until they first went to the priest and, and were checked with them and then certified to say they were now clean. Jesus, Master, have pity on us, they said. Verse 14 says, when Jesus saw them, he said, go show yourself to the priest. Could you imagine? And as they went back to the priest, they were cleansed. One of them, before he even made it to the priest, ran back to Jesus. And he came back praising the same word used for thanksgiving. And he threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus said, weren't all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise, gratitude, thanksgiving to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has made you well. I wonder, those of us who are gathered here are, we're like the one or have often found ourselves like the nine. And, and we need to express our gratitude in ways that the hearer can hear. G.K. Chesterton said, when it comes to life, the critical thing is whether you take things for granted or take them with gratitude. I hope this week we will remember with gratitude those things that others have done for us and and how about this exercise this week? How about we take some moment and think about maybe up to three people who have impacted our life in specific ways and write them a Facebook message or a note and send it to them or stop by and, and say something like, I'll never forget that time you encouraged me when I needed it. Thank you. Or I was thinking about the time when you did something for me and you made my life more richer. Gratitude not only affects us on the inside, it affects others around us. And finally, Thanksgiving affects our relationship upward. In, out, and up. Remember, from earlier that Hebrew word of Thanksgiving comes from the word praise and, and worship can be one of the most tangible ways for us to build our relationship with God. There's nothing better than feeling the love and the peace and acceptance of God wash over us as we declare gratitude and thanksgiving. And there's an opportunity every Sunday to do that with us or when you're in the car listening to the radio or plugging in your Pandora. Think of these verses, Luke, or from Psalm 95 too. Let us come to Him with thanksgiving. Let us sing psalms of praise to Him. 
Psalm 100 verse 2 says, Serve the Lord with gladness. Come into His presence with joyful songs. Enter into His gates with thanksgiving and into His courts with praise. Give thanks to Him and bless His name. Psalm 16, 11 says, You make known to me the path of life, and in your presence, as we come with gratitude and thanksgiving, he says there's fullness of joy. Jesus has done something amazing for each one of us. You've all experienced His grace, His mercy, miracles perhaps in your life that you can't explain away. Would you take some moments? Sometimes we sing that song, 10,000 Reasons. Would you just write down a few of them in gratitude? If you need some help, open up Ephesians chapter 1 and reflect on them. As Paul writes, he says, all, all praise to God. He's blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ. God loved us. He chose us. He decided in advance to adopt us into his own family. He's poured out on us his glorious grace. Spend time reflecting on those things and giving praise and thanks. Worship is also powerful, and our enemy knows that, and there's nothing more that he will try and do than to distract us with our current circumstances, allow for grumbling or complaining, because that keeps us from connecting with our Savior, and He'll try and steal our worship, distract us from adoring Him. Remember, our battles that we fight, they're not flesh and blood. Paul says they're against principalities and power. So how about we let God do the battle, and let's come before Him with a posture of gratitude, thanksgiving, and worship. In conclusion, as I mentioned, we sing that song, You're rich in love. You're slow to anger. Your name is great. And your heart is kind. For all of your goodness, I will keep on singing 10,000 reasons for my heart to find. So let's practice gratitude. What are you thankful for? Inwardly declare your gratitude. Who are you thankful for? Outwardly find three people and send a thank you to them this week. And to whom are you thankful? Upward, as you spend time in prayer and reading, write down those things that He has done for you, and perhaps read through Ephesians if you need a little help. Let's pray together. Father, we thank You for Your amazing power and work in our lives. We thank You for Your goodness and for Your blessings over us. We thank you that you are able to bring hope through the tough times, that you strengthen us for your purposes. We thank you for your great love and your care. We thank you for your mercy and your grace. We thank you that you never leave us or forsake us. We thank you for your incredible sacrifice so that we might have freedom and life. Would you forgive us? for when we don't thank you enough for who you are, for all you do, and for all you've given. Would you help us to set our hearts and our minds on you afresh? Renew our spirits and fill us with your peace and joy. We love you and we need you.
this day and every day, we give you praise and thanks for you alone are worthy. In Jesus' name, amen. As we get ready to leave for today, the benediction I would like to leave with you is found in Colossians 3, verses 15 to 17. And Paul says, always be thankful. Let the words of Christ and all their riches live in your heart and make you wise. Use his words to teach and counsel each other. Sing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs to God with thankful hearts. God bless you and have a wonderful Thanksgiving. Oh, sorry. I... Yeah, man. I was thinking about making a, a pipe. Mm. Have you seen the turducken? You've seen those yeah. I was thinking about making a pipe. <laughs> I was thinking about a pecan pie, and then a pumpkin pie, and then a spice cake, and then an apple pie. Oh, yeah. Have you seen that video where, where the person cooking will put like a French hen inside of the turkey, and then when they're cutting it up, call the kids over and say, "What in the world is this? Look, there's another baby inside!" And the kids are freaking out. We killed a baby. <laughs> oh, that would be funny. That would be great. Well, we did it, you guys. Thank you, sir.